Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our toll-free number, 800-823-8255. Good morning. I am Ron Wilson, your personal yard boy, talking about yarding as we uh, work on our way through the month of December. Can you believe this? Two more weeks from today, Christmas Day. And, uh, of course, we will be here with you on Christmas morning doing our show. But uh, you can listen to us while you're sitting around the tree opening up all those presents from Santa Claus. So uh, keep uh, keep us in mind on Christmas morning and uh, and join us. We uh, we like to sit around a tree with you and uh, and see what you got. Um, you know, this is a program that I've talked about for many, 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 many years, uh, and we've even had some of the uh, the kids that have won the the state uh, the, the state contest that they have every year on our show to talk about uh, what they've done. But it's Bonnie Plants Cabbage Third Grade Cabbage Program, and again, like I say, you've heard me talking about it for years and years and years. Uh, absolutely wonderful program as far as getting kids involved with gardening. Um, they give away a ton of plants. And to tell us more about that is, of course, our good friend, Corporate Communications Manager for Bonnie Plants, Angela Thomas. Good morning. Let's see here. Wait a second. I push her on. There you go. Are you with us now? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. I, for, I wanted to ask you, first of all, are you a morning person? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am. Uh, just not on Saturdays. Just not on Saturdays, yes. <laughs> well, I appreciate you getting up early and, and joining us this morning because I think it's such a great program, and we really appreciate you coming on and, and telling the folks a little bit more about it. And before we get into that, I've been watching the uh, – we've had a huge storm that came through across most mm. all the states. Was Alabama involved with that at all? Yes, we are still uh, getting rain yesterday and another – wave of thunderstorms is expected today so it has been uh, rainy and 78 degrees and humid down here wow 78 <laughs> yeah that was the high yesterday oh we i think we got it we did we've been pushing the 60s here upper 50s and 60s uh but 78 kind of crazy yes but I hope uh, you're okay and of course a lot of damage here south of us in Kentucky so we hope yeah. those folks as the sun comes up this morning uh Going to be seeing all kinds of stuff down there. So anyway, appreciate you being on with us uh, so early this morning. And this program, so folks understand this, can you kind of go back to the history of how this this cabbage program for third graders started with Bonnie Plants? Sure. Uh, so we launched the program in 1996, just in Alabama, and um, the the founders started Bonnie Plants with Cabbage Plants. So the idea behind the Cabbage Program was to connect kind of that history and legacy of the company to this really great program for children 
to inspire a love of gardening and help us grow our next generation of gardeners. That's what the Cabbage Program is all about. And how many years has this been going on? Do you, do you know? Since 1996. 1996. And let me ask you this. Why third graders? Well, we feel that in that elementary um, time frame, it's just the best time for the program. Um, a great time for these kids who are developing interests and hobbies to connect with them and show them something that they might uh, be interested in, in doing, um, expose them to something they may not have been exposed to at this point in their lives. Um, and it, it, it's also a great um, get outside and, and learn and hands-on learning activity for that age group. I love it. And, you know, I, I sometimes will be talking about it, and, of course, I try to push kids guarding as much as I can wherever we go. And, yes. and one of the things I always talk about is, when, you know, when's a good time to get them started? And I said, always mm-hmm. look at the Bonnie Cabbage program. It's third graders. <laughs> so, the, you know, yes. I said that. I think they've done a little research and said, okay, where's the best start to – because if we did it in high school, kids probably wouldn't care. Uh, you get yep. too much younger, they probably wouldn't understand. So grab them at that third grade level, and uh, and they, they're understanding, they're still inquisitive, they're willing to give it yes. a shot. And so I always say, you know, third grade's an excellent time to try to get these kids uh, kids started. Thanks to the folks at Bonnie Bonnie Cabbage Program. And by the way, if, if folks want to learn more about it, you, you got a couple. You can go to bonniecabbageprogram.com. dot com. You can also go to Bonnie Plants General website, and it'll take you there as well. Uh, yes. Which I absolutely love your website because and I always said that because you have such great information on there. Um, but again, it's bonniecabbageprogram dot com. So. You've, you've set this up, and you guys, you may have just said this, and I, I didn't catch it. You've given away millions of cabbage plants. Yes. Yeah, since the program, we've given away, I mean, more than 10 million plants, um, and the number keeps growing every year. Uh, more and more students in schools hearing about the program, thanks to folks like you, and, and getting involved. So, and, and again, it's third grader. So, Let's kind of walk through the process then. Mm-hmm. If For folks that are listening today, if you're a parent that has a third grader, yes. if you are a teacher of school and you know third grade teachers, a principal, or anybody involved with uh, with schools, um, it's the third grade classes, um, who registers the class to get the free cabbage plants? The easiest route is normally the educators because they have most access to information about how many plants they need, how many students they have. Uh, But parents can register as well, Um, and it is a completely free program. And so that's a great pitching point if you're taking it to your school um, or your administrator. And it's a pretty a pretty simple online form. Uh, you create an account as you would with any other online platform, and you order as many plants as you need, and they are shipped directly to you, like uh, everything else we order nowadays. So, and, and the shipping would go to them when their planting season is in session. Yes. Yeah, so we, um, depending on the time of year that you register. We, in what growing zone you're in, yes, you're correct, you are allowed to select a couple of different delivery windows that would best accommodate um, your school schedule or anything that you have going on around school breaks, and um, also plan your lesson plans and then things in the classroom around that as well. But yes, um, there's a little 
um, algorithm we have going on that allows us to figure out the best best growing time for your cabbages. Again, you can learn more about it at bonniecabbageprogram.com. That's bonniecabbageprogram.com. And, of course, it has – I printed out the entire packet here, brought it in with me this morning, and I usually keep this with me anyway, but printed out a new one, and it's amazing all the information you have just with that particular program because you actually walk everybody through the sign-up, what it's all about, the sign-up, and you have everything from how to grow it in the ground and containers mm-hmm. and raised beds, uh, recipes. I mean, you got it all there for the kids. Yes. We we try to keep in mind that not every school has a uh, school or community garden there. And so some of these plants are take-home, right? And if that's the case, the student and maybe the adults at home don't have experience with gardening. So we try to give uh, multiple options for different experience levels or for whatever you have at home. Um, I think on the container page, you know, it, it talks about finding something you already have. Um, and then in the ground, if you already have a raised bed. And then the resources for growing and caring for your cabbage and, and how to harvest it as well. We push with all of that information is available, but we push it out to educators throughout the program as reminders and so that they can um, pass it along to adults at home. And for those who are not third graders, who may be new gardeners that are interested mm-hmm. in learning how to grow cabbage, yes. <laughs> this information is available for you as well. And it will yes. walk you through a third grade level of how to do this, which is very understandable and a great way to learn how to grow cabbage. So, Absolutely. and you know what? I never thought about what you just said there at the beginning. If they don't have a school garden, I never even thought mm-hmm. about that actually planting at the school garden and yes. harvesting before they get out at the end of the end of the spring season. Mm-hmm. We have some teachers um, and schools that are available to do that, which is always awesome to hear about and see photos of. But not obviously, not all schools have the resources to, to do that. Unfortunately, I wish that we uh, we could see that happen in the future. Um, but yes, some teachers are available or able to do it at school, and what a great learning activity for them to go out as a classroom and check on those cabbages every day and, and and tend to them and take care of them. Oh, absolutely. Talking with Angela Thomas. She's the Corporate Communications Manager for Bonnie Plants. Again, the website is bonniecabbageprogram.com, cabbage program for third-grade students. It's absolutely free, absolutely free for them to grow cabbage. Let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll ask Angela more about a little bonus that they have on top of this, a little extra thing you can do after you harvest your cabbage. And I also want to get her feedback on the UC Alabama game here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden and he's Ron Wilson.
Welcome back here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Special guest this morning, Angela Thomas. She's the uh, corporate communications manager for Bonnie Plants. We're talking about that great cabbage program for third graders, the Bonnie uh, Cabbage Program. And, of course, you can check it out at bonniecabbageprogram.com. And uh, I, a couple things here. Of course, once they harvest that uh, that uh, cabbage, there's all kinds of recipes. I had no idea you could put them in cupcakes. <laughs> yes, we our recipe team, we try to come up with some, some innovative ideas so that um, the kids get exposed to actually eating something they've grown, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe sharing it with others. We've had wonderful stories about um, students and their adults who, um, yeah, use a recipe, turn it into something, turn it into coleslaw, you know, the classic, and then share it with folks in their neighborhood or people who are impacted by food insecurity. It, so. It- um, There's a lot of those kids that don't like cabbage. They love growing that's, it. That's true. <laughs> but don't like eating. I know we've had several of your winners on our show to talk to them. It's always a lot of fun. And and one of the questions I always ask is, you know, so did you eat it? And I'd say 75% said no. But they did something else with it. And obviously, you know, giving it away to a, a kitchen pantry or, you know, feeding the homeless or whatever. Of course, with uh, Katie Stagliano, a great story there. But all started from the cabbage program. But, uh, you know, it's it's just fun to listen to them. But, in addition to the free cabbage and growing it and the experience and all of that, you also offer a little bonus at each state for these kids that did grow their cabbages. Yes, we do. So every student who grows a cabbage with us every year is eligible to enter into our um, scholarship contest. And um, we actually are in the process of sorting through all of those right now. And a winner is chosen for every single um, state, and they receive a $1,000 scholarship. And um, it's a lot of fun to go through the photos and the stories and then divvy out these thousands of dollars to these um, students for growing these huge cabbages. So much excitement and, and joy and um behind it and it's it's one of my favorite parts of my job i was gonna say that must be a heck of a process to be able to sit down and look at all the great pictures and read the stories and and then of course you have to you know you can only have one winner yes it's very difficult because i want all of them (laughs) to win and they all are Um, winners because they they did their cabbage and did their thing but yeah the for the scholarship only one per per state so that but that's yes. got to be a lot of fun and when you go to the website again it's it's uh, bonniecabbageprogram.com you'll see the pictures of the kids from the time they got their their cabbage plants mm-hmm. at in the in the classroom so you can see what they look like uh and then the pictures of some of these cabbage heads that these kids grew are yes. phenomenal i mean we're talking 40 pound cabbage heads Yep, it's crazy. Crazy stuff. But, again, you can check it out. It's uh, bonniecabbageprogram.com. Third graders, if you know a third grader, have a third grader, teacher, principal, uh, just work with the school. Pass the word along. It's absolutely free, F-R-E-E, a great way to get these kids involved, and they ship them right to the school. The kids get them, and then they take it from there. And, again, the, the resources they have on their website is phenomenal to walk you and the kids through the growing of this thing. And, again, we've had some of those winners on our show, and they have been a hoot to talk to them and the experiences they've gotten out of, out of doing this. A lot of them grew up with their grandparents or their mom and dad or you know, a neighbor or whatever it may be. But, again, uh, what a great way to get these kids involved with gardening. Absolutely.
Uh, Angela Thomas, before we go, and again, I want to thank you folks at Bonnie Plants for all that you do. Um, of course, your plants are outstanding. No matter where you go and you find Bonnie Plants, they all look the same. They look like soldiers. They're absolutely perfect, and they do a wonder, wonderful job, uh, phenomenal. I know you've got a lot of new selections and looking forward to 2022 with all yes. of the edibles and the, some new selections coming along. Mm-hmm. But one last question for you, and I know we'll talk to you over the winter, and you can start to update us what we're going to see in 2022. Uh, but I think this is a little important for right now. Coming up on December the 31st, uh, there's a couple football games going on that day. They're kind of important. Uh, play yes. Playoff to the national championships. And I, I think you might have some association with the uh, with the uh, this school down in Alabama called Alabama Roll Tide, Crimson Tide. <laughs> you, yes. you have some ties there, I would, I think, yes? Yes, yes. I uh, graduated from there. Yes, okay, just because I knew that. Just just, just bring that out. Uh, and, of course, our flagship station here uh, is based in Cincinnati. And, of course, that happens to be the home of the UC Bearcats, undefeated, yes. taking mm-hmm. on the Crimson Tide on December the 31st. Yes. Now, you all are a 13-and-a-half, 14-point favorites. Uh, what do you think? What do you th- what do you really feel? What's the Alabama fans feeling right now with the Bearcats taking on the Crimson Tide? I think our biggest question is what the heck is a Bearcat? But what? Uh, <laughs> How do you get an elephant out of the Crimson Tide? <laughs> well, at least at least our mascot is a um, singular animal, right? We're well, not combining. No. There really is a Bearcat. Okay. There really is an animal. It's a bear cat. Okay. You need well, to look. It's a cool looking thing. It's a. It's a long. It's a. It looks like a big long, black cat with a big fuzzy tail. And it, okay. And there really is a, a. They actually at the Cincinnati Botanical Garden Zoo. They have them there, and they have the ones the, the live mascot. But there really is an actual bear cat. So you. Okay. So you have to look that up. So now it's the, an actual animal taking on an elephant. What do you think? Well, I've learned something new today. What's that? And I appreciate that. (laughs) About the Bearcat? Yes. (laughs) Well, I I just hope it's a good game. I think it will be. I think they're good. It will be. You know, they both have their strengths and weaknesses, and they're going to play off each other. And, of course, uh, Nick Saban, uh, a master at at, uh, picking people apart. There's no doubt about it. Uh, UC's got a great coach as well, and Luke Fickle, and I think it's going to be a great matchup. And let's get together after the game is over, whether we win or lose, and uh, continue on our relationship uh, with Bonnie Plants because you guys do such a great job. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Angela Thomas, thanks for getting up so early with us this morning. Again, the website, BonnieCabbageProgram.com. You still didn't say who's going to win. You got to say the tide. Come on. Yes, it's obviously going to be the tide. Roll tide, and I say go Bearcats. We'll talk to you after the holidays. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Talk to you later. Uh, yeah, what that's a good game. I mean, what what is the Crimson Tide and an elephant? I mean, come on, there is, and there actually is a real Bearcat. So anyway, coming up next, the Queen Bee, Barbie Bletcher, here in the Garden with Ron Wilson. the do-it-yourself gardener at 1-800-823-TALK. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson.
Welcome back. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. And as I promised, she is back. It's been a little while since we've had her on the show, but uh, she's been so busy buzzing around our state, taking care of all the other bees as she is the queen bee. Uh, that's been hard to track her down, but we finally got her to settle down this morning and uh, buzz with us a little bit of buzz this morning on our show. Ladies and gentlemen, our queen bee. Our state apiarist and entomologist from the Ohio Department of Agriculture, Bar B. Bletcher. Why do you laugh? Good morning, Ron. Joe Boggs does the same thing. Joe Boggs laughs too when I introduce him. Is it? You do a superlative job introducing people. I don't know how you can get that out so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Bearcats. Thank you for saying that. Go Bucks. Isn't it interesting? Of course, you're all of us big Bucks fans as well, but. Uh, isn't it interesting uh, with Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl? I said, you know what's funny? There was a time when that was our goal. Yeah. You know, it the, and now it's national champion. You know, it's the Rose Bowl. It's yeah. national championship. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's back okay. To the Rose Bowl. Yeah, back to the Rose Bowl. But, you know, that's all right. Well, <laughs> it'll be fun. We'll all enjoy it. But oh, yeah. It'll be wonderful. You, yeah. You see games exciting down in, in the Cincinnati area as well. Talking with Barbie Bletcher again from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And, of course, uh, she keeps us updated with about all of the bees, not only in Ohio, but around the country and uh, things that she's seeing out there. So, you know, we came to, uh, uh, obviously, the summer, all kinds of different kinds of weather and things like that. How did the bees fare through the summer and fall seasons? You know, it it was kind of crazy. So we had all these swarms in the spring. Um, We had a record number of swarms. We had cutouts galore because the Bees moved into people's homes, and then uh, summer set in, and it was it was hot. And you you can imagine, Ron, working, going from yard to yard to yard, looking at bees, and you're wearing a jacket and a veil and a hood. And <laughs> I'm surprised so that being hot. that you are the queen bee, that you have to do that. <laughs> oh, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Yeah, but they know I it's you. Wear, I don't wear gloves. I don't wear a full. I wear a jacket, but right. it's so hot. But, but they still know it's you, the queen. I talk to them. Yeah. I talk to every single hive I, go, I get into. You know what's, so at least they recognize me. You know what's interesting is uh, Walter Weldon, who's doing the hives there on our nursery, uh, the few times that I've gone over and helped him out a couple times. But anyway, I always talk while I'm over there. With the bees, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, I, if I'm hoping that it keeps them calm or whatever. But I've never had any, and of course, I don't have all the garb. But uh, um, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, with the heat and all, and you trying to inspect and do all these things. Yeah, and then you got the bees inside trying to keep everything cool. Yes, they are. They're all fanning, taking turns fanning the hive, trying to keep it a, a cool. When it in the summertime, it's a little bit cooler. In the wintertime, they keep it at like 94 degrees. Wow. So, yeah, they have to keep it cool and all their little children get hot. You don't want that. Isn't that kind of a, you know, a, you know, double-edged sword here where you've got, you want the bees to have as much sun as possible, but yet you want to keep them cool in the summer. How do you, how do you, you know, you don't want to put their hives in the shade. No. Yeah, but, in fact, we're trying to encourage people not to um, because you keep your bees in the shade. So I've been doing this honeybee health um survey now for I think seven years and I look at you know what type of operation they have you know if it's for making queens or for honey or whatever and, 
you know, how they treat them and if they're in the sun or the shade and all these other factors. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's been consistent is that the bees in the sun have lower mite population, less small fly beetles, and less virus. Really? It's, it's the only thing that I've found. No matter what beekeepers do to keep their, keep their you know, bees healthy, bees in the sun do better. So what we have found is you don't need to paint your hives white like we've all done and our grandparents have all done. Right. You can paint them different colors. And, you know, Nina, the queen, the other queen bee. Queen bee breeder. Them, the queen bee breeder, she paints every hive differently. So the bees, when they're coming home, they know which hive to go into. Well, you sent me an, so art can, yeah, you sent me an article about that, I, I think, a couple years ago, how they were seeing that. Yeah. Painting each hive different colors, the bees actually recognized the color of their hive, and went mm -hmm. went back to that particular box. Yeah, so if you put them all in a row, like a lot of beekeepers do, it, it seems like the the bees don't always go back to the same hive; they kind of drift. So the bee the bees on the outside always had more bees than the hives in the center. So anyhow, we're getting uh, sidetracked here, but yeah. painting the, the hives white, um, they it, it um, those hives tend to be hotter um, in the summertime, but not in the wintertime. But if you paint them earth tones, like browns and greens and tans, we found that the hives are actually warmer in the wintertime, which is more important. Right, because a so. little bit darker color attracts the heat. The sun, yeah. but on the same token, in the yeah. summertime, it's not dark enough to really heat it up that much more. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. point. So, so it helps to paint them earth tones. Talking with Barbie Bletcher from uh, Ohio Department of Agriculture. She is our state apiarist and state entomologist. So the record swarming this week, I'm going to go back to that for a second. Why Why was that? I mean, was it was that environmental, or what, what caused that to happen? Well, I'm thinking that people's bees survive better over the wintertime. You know, oh. we've had their... Mites under control, and they survived. We also have a lot of feral colonies, more than we think we do, and they swarmed. Interesting. So, and, and again, folks want to, again, just real quick, because I don't want to get, I know we want to talk about a lot, but um, if you have a swarm show up in your yard, don't panic. They usually will move on. But if they don't, and they hang around for a couple of days, just get a hold of your local or state beekeepers, Someone would love to come and collect that and get it off your property for you. So yes. don't spray, yes. don't panic, don't call a pest killer and all that kind of stuff. Just call a beekeeper, call your local extension or whatever. There are lists out there for folks to uh, contact um, beekeepers that would love to come and collect those up. Cause they're, that yeah, means they're, and if you've had bees go into your, a hole in your building, in your house, this is the time to plug up that hole. Because bees will go back. They smell all that wonderful wax, and it's true for the yellow jackets, too. If you've had bees get into the uh, some hole in your house somewhere, mm -hmm. plug it up now because they will find it, and they'll go back. So are they it's in there? It's a lot easier to catch a swarm than to cut out a, a section of the house. <laughs> so if you plug it up now, you've plugged them up inside the house, right? Well, hopefully they're dead. Okay, I see. I mean, for honeybees, they, they may or may not be dead. Yellow jackets, they would definitely be dead. Right, absolutely. Got it. Talk yeah, so if the honeybees are still alive, yeah, do not plug up the hole. Got it. Yeah, because <laughs> then you, you trap them inside your house. 
Yeah. Yes. You don't, and I've seen some situations where. Keeping me honest, there, Ron. Well, I just, I just want to make sure we keep that, you know, so folks understand. Because uh, I know I've seen you show me some pictures of where there was a lot of uh, a pretty good size uh, um, combs in there with honey in it, and that's oh, not a yeah. good, not a good thing if you, because I guess that doesn't do too well to your drywall. Down no, it'll soak if through. If, yeah. if the bees are dead, that honey starts to, you know, soak up the right the <laughs> plaster in your wall, soaks up that honey, and all of a sudden the wall of your house caves in. Not a good thing. Got about a minute to go before the break here. Um, how about the, the mites? This So, you know, uh, we saw all the swarms in that this spring. And all. How, how about the varroa mite levels, which have obviously been a major, major factor in, the, in bee decline? What do we see in there? It continues to be a, a problem. So um, we have more and more um, <clears throat> chemicals in the box to, to use. We have more options. Um, Honeybee Health Coalition has a, a great online guide that you can print. It's free. Uh, it tells you what's, what seasons, what the best options are. They have non-chemical as well as chemical. But, you know, we continue to have problems because somewhere around August, when it's hot and dry, the bees start to um, – attack other hives you know they're they're robbing other hives and these mites carry on their back they piggyback on the bees so they're going from hive to hive so even if you think your hives have been under control you know your mites have been under control all season come late august september your mite level could be high all over again and uh mites uh, reproduce so quickly that every three weeks you have three times more mites Wow, because they're reproducing in the in the brood with the baby bees in your hive, and they'll continue to, to reproduce over the winter too. Correct? Yes, yes, all winter long they will. So beekeepers should be monitoring for the mites all the time. Yeah, you know, obviously you can't open the, the hive, take bees up to count this time of year, but you know you can uh, put a, a sticky board underneath and see what mites drop on that. So they're Ways that you can do it if you don't think you've got control in the fall, then there are a couple options you can do in the wintertime to, to keep the mite levels down. Um, we strongly recommend that you know what your mite levels are. So once a month, all season, you should know what your mite levels are. Barbie Butcher. If you treat and you okay. don't know what it is, you don't know how well you controlled it. Right. Barbie Butcher, our special guest this morning. Our Queen Bee finally got her back on her show. She's been so busy. She is our state APRs from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Quick break. We come back. Lots of questions about bees and more here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Landscaping made easier with your personal yard boy. He's in the garden and he's Ron Wilson. Welcome back here in the garden with Ron Wilson, our special guest this morning, the Queen Bee, Barbie Bletcher, our state APRS from the Ohio <laughs> Department of Agriculture, talking about those honeybees out there and uh, where we stand right now. And uh, uh, how about the honey crop this year for Ohio? Just looking at Ohio alone, how'd that turn out? 
Well, we were down this year, and, and I, I don't really know why. Um, the old saying is goes that rain in July means happy bees in the – I forget how that poem goes. But bees in, in July means a happy um, goldenrod crop. And our goldenrod was a, a big disappointment this year. We didn't get much goldenrod at all. We didn't get a lot of um, – a honey period. Um, some of our big producers were down by 50% this year. Really? So, you know, with all the rain we had, you'd think we would have a great honey flow, but I, I'm almost wondering if the rain went against us because it washes the, with those downpours we had, it washes the nectar right out of the flower. Or maybe because it was raining so much, the bees weren't flying and bringing nectar in. It's It's kind of hard to say, but I we didn't get the honey that we expected. So that means honey prices are going to go up. Ah, uh, you heard it here. Honey prices may go up not because of the uh yeah. not because of our government. <laughs> <laughs> but because because of the, the habitat wasn't right for them this year, so and yeah. and, and they obviously and, are depend on that habitat, no doubt. And, and you look around, there's fewer and fewer wild areas all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I look around Columbus, and I've been into Cincinnati a couple times. It's because they're constantly, you know, edging into our wilderness and building and developing new, you know, industrial parkways and apartment complexes. So the bees have to fly further, and I think a lot of them don't make it home. That's probably another problem. What did your cat say? She says yes. Okay, she was agreeing with you. Yeah, she says meow, which means yes. Actually, it means feed me. (laughs) (laughs) Talking with Barbie Bletcher, our state apiarist uh, from the Ohio Department of Agriculture, and, of course, talking about our uh, honeybees and how they fared this year. And sounds like we may not have uh, a a, a, uh, surplus of of honey in the state of Ohio, Uh, so you could see prices go up. I know our our beekeeper, Walter Weldon, seemed to have a fairly decent – season he was able to provide us with some pint jars of honey which was pretty good kind of light lighter in color and then it was good um and i think you know it's pretty tasty and i think for the most part from what i heard from him he he did fairly well this year that's good yeah i think west side of well southwest did better than northwest Mm. but just just due west of columbus like in um dark county they did pretty well but most of Ohio was was down this year. Interesting. So hopefully it comes back up again next year. And, and of course, they can't – what's the deal when you get into the fall as far as harvesting honey? you, you got to be careful there, right, because you can't take too much. Got to leave some for the bees. Yes. So the, the, in the olden days, <laughs> when I first started keeping bees 100 years ago, we, we did our, our big crop in the fall. We would take honey off after the after – the, goldenrod and there were still other things enough goldenrod and other things flowering that the bees were able to refill after we took the the honey crop off and we're obviously you have to be careful you want to have about 80 pounds you want your hives to weigh about 80 pounds going into the winter so you have to be checking from august on to make sure that your bees have honey so you go in and you look to see if they have honey you can lift the hive a little bit and see how heavy it is because so in August, you need to start feeding. If your bees are looking lean in August because we have a drought, you need to start feeding then. But somewhere along the line, um, partly because of aurora mites, um, it makes a lot more sense to take the honey off 
I don't know. I take honey off in June mm-hmm. um, before we have a drought. Usually we have a drought in July, August. Right. I take the honey off then. Then I can treat for varroa mite. And then if I have a little bit of fall honey, that's that's great. But I've got the mites under control. I can put my honey supers back on and still harvest a little bit of honey. But it's not like the olden days where you could just you could take honey off all year and, and not worry about the bees refilling because there was plenty of stuff around for them to refill. But between the varroa mites, you have to treat around. You know, you can't have honey on when you're treating. So you have to work around that. And we just don't seem to have... We don't seem to have the fall harvest that we used to in general. Interesting. Talking with Barbie Bletcher, she is our state apiarist and entomologist for the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And, of course, we call her our queen bee, Barbie. Uh, (laughs) And we've been talking a lot together for over the years, uh, obviously about the honeybees. And uh, even you and I started talking about the uh, native bees a long time ago. And now they're up front there, too, as far as getting good recognition as as the habitats yeah. and how important they are to uh, our pollinations going on out there uh, with both the honeybees and the, the native bees. So, you know, boiling down right now, looking at the 2021, not too bad, a little bit low in the honey production in Ohio, not good, but for the most part, still looking encouraging. And, and I guess what, with the, with the mite uh, issue, encouraging there too, as far as things we're seeing? Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping so. I, I, I always hear the horror stories. Um, people who have success don't usually call me. So, like doctors. Yeah, you get you um, only get the calls when there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hear the the negative more than the positive. But we have a lot of queen bee breeders in Ohio. A lot of breeders, and those people are trying a lot harder to keep their bees healthy. Um, the key is that you should never rely on one chemical to control your mites. So we have lots of options, so we need to use all those different options. So I, I think in general, our, our, mite, our mite loss, or I mean our colony loss, is probably going to be worse than we, we want, but probably not as bad as it was you know, back when the colony collapse was bad. So it's it's probably still going to be about thirty to forty percent loss. So you're going to too high. Yeah, but that yeah, but it's not as bad as it has been in the in other other winters. So yeah. so your concern obviously yeah. that winter loss may be high. Obviously time will tell. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know again, it just we just have to keep people out there doing all that we can do. We're not and we're not asking people to beekeepers. Although if you want to be a beekeeper, outstanding. And there's a lot of classes that'll be coming up this winter uh, that you oh, can yeah. you can learn a lot about. But Habitat, that's going to be the big thing, you know, planting native plants, planting those pollinator plants in your containers, in the ground, in your vegetable garden, wherever it may be, um, to help supplement because it's it's extremely important. Barbie Bletcher, always a pleasure having you on our show. Appreciate you taking a little time out this morning for us. Uh, again, uh, from our, she's our state APRS from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. I want you to have a very Merry Christmas, and let's get together in January and get people fired up about maybe being a beekeeper. What do you yes, say? Yes, sir. And you have a great Christmas, and, and thanks for supporting the bees. It's, it's always our pleasure. Barbie Bletcher, Ohio Department of Agriculture, always a pleasure having on our show. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we do, Joe Strecker, our producer, is going to open up those phone lines. Here's the number, 800-823-8255. Taking your calls about gardening questions, got a tip you want to share, plants that did well for you, tomato or pepper that was outstanding for you this year, let us know. 800-823-8255, here in the garden with Ron Wilson.
Gardening questions? Ron has the answers at 1-800-823-TALK. You're in the garden with Ron Wilson. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.